Hello and welcome to Stern Chats. I'm Neha Tumala and today we bring you a topic we all know and love, sports. But how much do we know about women's sports? Like most people, I've been watching from the sidelines the U.S. women's soccer team achieve historic wins while fighting for equal pay and listening to the age-old arguments of, but men's sports brings in more people. Does it? Well, here to tell us more about the business of women's sports is Rachel Zuckerman. Rachel is a current Langone student who will be graduating later this spring. She is a marketing manager at Just Women's Sports, a startup focused on increasing media coverage of women's sports at the professional and collegiate levels. Prior to JWS, Rachel started her career as an NBC page and went on to work in production and communication at several news companies, including MSNBC, NBC News, and CBS News Digital. Rachel is a lifelong athlete, an avid U.S. women's national team fan, and at the time of recording this interview, is excited for the Women's March Madness tournament to begin. Rachel and I will discuss the underrepresentation of women's sports, what she's learned from working at a startup, and her advice to other students interested in sports, media, and startup opportunities. Let's dive in. Hi, Rachel. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, no, thank you. This is great. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm super excited because I think this is a topic that most of our listeners haven't really had a chance to engage with much, which is sports. So I'd just love to start off with what role sports has played in your life and how you got so excited about sports. Yeah, um, so I've been an athlete my entire life. I always try to think back to when my parents first put me in soccer, and I cannot remember. Um, all I remember is that there was always soccer practice during the week, soccer games on the weekends. It's funny to look back on our our old team photos and see people that you then later became you know best friends with, whether it was middle school or high school or whatever. And it, oh, we all played little league soccer together. So yeah, I started at a young age. I think my parents put me in a lot of different sports. Softball, I was not very good at. I I think I actually got cut from an uncuttable team. <laughs> Come on. Um, I had a very, I was very small. I had a very small strike zone, but I swung at everything. So they were just like, this is not going to work out for you. Stick to field sports. Um, so yeah, I played soccer growing up in middle school. I added track and the thought of lacrosse. And then in high school, I, I threw lacrosse and swimming into the mix. And then when I got to college, I, I didn't go the recruiting route for college. I went to a small D3 school. And when we got there, one of my friends who I'd actually swum competitively against in high school was like, I think we can walk onto the squash team. Do you want to try it? And I said, sure, why not? So we walked onto the squash team. We played four years of collegiate squash. I was not very good, but it was it was a lot of fun. I think athletics has always been sort of that thing that has, I think, helped me set goals because there was always something to either fit into your schedule. So you had to learn a lot of time management or there was something you were chasing, whether it was a win, you know, a championship, anything like that, um, you know, beating your best time. Um, so I think it's definitely sort of helped structure and motivate me throughout my life in ways that are both obvious and less obvious. Gosh, is there a sport that you haven't done, Rachel? That was that was an incredible list. And so many life skills packed in there, which I'm sure 
have been incredibly useful, not just in your current career, but you know, also in business school. I'd love to, you know, just get you to walk me through a bit of what brought you to start. You know, talk me through uh, how you came here and what was it like to come from this very, you know, what we call an unconventional background and be in this highly structured business school environment. Yeah. So um, the way my mom tells it is, she'll say, "I always knew you were going to go to business school. You are sort of." very strategic person who sort of likes to figure things out. I thought I was always going to go to law school because my parents are both lawyers. My brother's a lawyer, but he's younger than me. So I guess that wasn't over my head. But yeah, no, I I started my career in media. I worked in um, news media from the beginning. I was NBC Page, worked in NBC News, MSNBC, then CBS News Digital. And it was somewhere around, I want to say maybe like 2017, where I started to get really interested in the business behind media and why we made certain decisions. And I think being at MSNBC and NBC News at the time was really interesting just to watch some of the structural changes there. And then when I went over to CBS News, I was on the digital side. I'm working on a streaming platform, which is a whole different type of media and type of business. And it was then that I was actually um, working with two executives who had also gone to business school. And that sort of gave me the push to say, okay, this has been something that's been on the back of my mind. A lot of my friends are sort of going to business school. I think now is the time to at least try. I should also say that my father is a business school professor. So at Temple University. So um, that has obviously always been a part of my life. But it was the summer of 2019. And I sort of just said, uh, if not now, when? Like, let's go for it. I studied. I decided that NYU was um, the only school I wanted to apply to. I did some research on other programs. I knew I wanted to go part time because I didn't want to media move so fast that I didn't want to leave the industry. And um, NYU has, you know, it's right here in New York. It has such a great, you know, entertainment, media, and technology program. And I knew that I'd also be able to expand my horizons. And, you know, I always, I told myself, I was like, if I can just get through standardized tests, I'll be fine in finance. I'll be fine in accounting. I just need to get in. Um, so yeah, so I guess it was sort of those series of events that got me to Stern. Uh, yes, we all remember those standardized tests. <laughs> Take me back to your first finance class. What was it like taking in that experience? I loved it. I I think because I'm not a finance person and I knew that I wasn't trying to go be an investment banker, I was like, I'm just here to learn. There are zero stakes. and. I want to absorb as much as I can. I'm going to ask all the questions. I'm going to lean on my classmates. And I think that's one thing that has been amazing about Stern. And, you know, I, I can't speak to the, what I'll call like a quote unquote normal experience because we've been online. And I think in a way that's made us a lot closer because we can kind of always be in constant communications with each other. We don't just dip in and out, but it was definitely overwhelming, but almost in an exciting way. It's like, here's this new challenge just go and and figure it out and if you fail well a you're not going to fail but b if you if you feel like you're failing you're not because you what you what you've actually done is expose yourself to a thing that you never thought you'd expose yourself to and it sort of reminds me of um when i was at summer camp we had this thing called the tower and it was this giant tower i have no idea how tall it was it's probably a lot taller than me when i was 12 than it is in reality but i was always scared to jump off of it and i just remember one day thinking like this won't kill me. And I just did it. And I think that sort of reminds me of finance of just like, it's not going to hurt you. Just try. I love this, these analogies as well. And I completely feel it. 
let's, let's talk a bit about, you know, this illustrious media career that you had and you, you sort of moved into sports, um, which absolutely makes sense given, you know, your interests and you, you know, you being an athlete. So what made that switch happen? What influenced your decision to move into the sports industry? Oh yeah. Well, I, I appreciate the compliment. Illustrious career. I've never really thought of it that way. But <laughs> it absolutely is. Look at those names that you rattled off. That's that's a lot of, um, when I listen to the EMSA Association or Sports and Media Association, many of the companies that you speak about are exactly the companies that are very aspirational for our start students. And you've pretty much worked at them all. So yeah, no, it, I, I like to sort of think of myself as like a content junkie. I grew up in a house where we didn't really watch, we weren't allowed to watch television, allegedly. But um, we started every day with the Today Show and we ended every day with some sort of evening news broadcast. And I specifically remember on Sundays coming downstairs and there would be newspapers everywhere. My dad would be cooking breakfast, Meet the Press would be on the television. And I just grew up, I had this childhood where there was information everywhere. And I think um, I grew up amongst a lot of academics. So I think that was probably part of the reason. Um, and we were either talking about politics, the stock market, or sports. And all of that together creates like a very exciting environment where something's always going on. Um, my dad is a huge Temple Owls fan. He brought us to, I think, almost every game of my childhood. Um, so that was just always a part of life as well. Um, I remember after Hebrew school on Sundays, he would also take us to the local sports bar for lunch where we would sit and watch football. Um, which just, so these things just, you know, were ingrained in my childhood, but I think it must've been, I don't know, somewhere around 2019 after the US Women's National Team won the World Cup again, where I was sort of thinking about my career in general and where I wanted it to go. And I, I, I was getting a little truthfully burnt out from news. It had been a long, like eight years, which seems so minor compared to the journalists that I had been working with, but I was sort of thinking, oh, this is something I love. I love sports. I love these athletes. Is there a way to leverage the career that I've had into a career within this hobby that I'm also really equally passionate about? And sort of, you know, how anything happens in life, everything sort of seems to happen at once. At that time, I had um, decided to focus more full time on school and leave CBS where I was at the time. And Stern through the EMSA Society was hosting a Wasserman panel. So I got to go and, and take a few hours and just hear all of these Wasserman employees talk about working there. And it opened the door for just some more further networking. And I think we all know how that works. One conversation hopefully leads to another, which leads to another. And at that same time, actually, so that was October 2020, Just Women Sports had launched their first podcast around that summer with Kelly O'Hara from the Washington Spirit and U.S. Women's National Team. And so Just Women's Sports was a part of my life at that time. And I sort of, in my head said, you know, why not just reach out and see if they need, you know, whether it's PR help, whether it's writing help, what because I had done some creative writing in the past. And so I reached out and got an email back. I just emailed the generic account, the email address thinking, okay, this will either go somewhere or it won't. I got an email back from um, our CEO and founder. It was a much smaller team at the time. And I started writing for them in a part-time capacity around November, 2020. So I had, was starting to dip into that world and then also sort of shifted my focus in school to take advantage of all of the sports series and opportunities um, that we have. And then I 
shifted my coursework also to focus on the sports related classes that we have at Stern. So I took um, sports marketing, I took sports economics, but I think taking those alongside our core courses, um, you know, finance and micro and macroeconomics just catapulted me into this whole other world of sports business that I sort of had always been observing from the sidelines without really realizing it. And suddenly it was like, oh, this is something tangible that I can like just really like sink my teeth into and just learn and learn and absorb and and sort of see where it takes me. Yeah, that's the serendipity we all hope happens to us in business school. So I love that story. Tell us a bit more about just women's sports and how that happened to you. And of course, a bit more about its mission and how it began in 2020. Yeah, so Just Women's Sports was started by Haley Rosen. Um, she was a Stanford soccer player um, who then went on to have a professional career both in the States and abroad. You know, she had to retire a bit earlier than she would have liked. And when she came back to the States and got a job in tech um, in San Francisco, she found herself for the first time in her life on the outside of sports looking in. Um, you know, she wanted to be able to follow her teammates, her coaches, her friends, and she genuinely couldn't do it. So, you know, much like a lot of people in our generation, she was like, well, I'm going to do something about this. So she started Just Women Sports as an Instagram account, and um, it just really has taken off from there. Um, we are now the leading multi-platform digital media company um, that is focused exclusively on women's sports. And the mission here is to, you know, we say we're 100% women's sports 100% of the time. And the goal is to elevate the coverage of women's sports and put the sports first. It's it's not a knock on what you know anyone else out there might be doing, but a lot of the times when we think about women's sports, we think more about the lifestyle stories that you've probably seen, and and we don't talk as much about you know the athletes on the field and the games that they're playing and who's playing well and who's not and who's you know coming from the bottom of the table to you know win a championship. And that stuff is awesome. And I think, you know, as a lifetime, a lifelong athlete, you know, I've always, you know, thought about sports as how can I, how can I be better? How can I push myself to do better? What are my coaches saying? And I didn't realize until it was blatantly pointed out to me that we don't get that in women's sports. We don't get that analysis, you know, that talk about strategy. So that's what just women's sports is, you know, here to do. We have, you know, a really awesome website. Um, we have vibrant social media channels. We have four podcasts. That's a lot. <laughs> That's in itself is a lot. What has been the reaction from women sports fans? It's been awesome. I think, you know, we just scrolling through our Twitter feeds, the comments are awesome. People are behind us. People are excited about what we're doing. Back last summer, we launched a scoreboard ticker at the top of our website. Um, so, you know, when you think about men's sports, you think about going to any website and of course there's going to be a scoreboard ticker that's sort of obvious, but no one's ever done it in a way that is accessible for fans of women's sports. And that is just dedicated to, um, professional women's sports leagues. So we launched that last summer and the response was incredible. You know, a, another big part of what we do is try to make it easier to be a fan because it's really hard to be a fan of women's sports. Um, you know, find the games, figure out what platform they're on, what time are they on, what day of the week, you know, the rights are pretty fragmented. We just launched our March Madness Bracket Challenge in partnership with Dick's Sporting Goods, and we are giving away $150,000 first prize, grand prize, which is the largest grand prize in women's college basketball history. 
And that, again, has been incredible just to you know see the response in our Twitter feeds and on social media. People are stoked. We've been filling this void that I think you know a lot of people have been asking for. Absolutely. And it, it really feels like this is the time for just women to exist, especially as women's sports really occupies more of our attention and just media that we see in general. However, you know, just to put this in perspective, according to JWS, women's sports makes up only 4% of sports coverage in the media. So even though it already, it seems like a lot, but it's just 4%. What have historically been the biggest barriers to increasing representation? Well, I think first and foremost, when we think about the sports media industry, it was built for men's sports, sort of plain and simple. I think we can all agree with that. Um, and I think, you know, one thing that I thought about a lot, now I'm blurring classes, but I, I think it was my sports marketing class um, and something that has also come up in my work at Just Women Sports um, and something we talk about is that a lot of men's professional leagues were given exposure and funding based on potential. And women's sports have been held back due in part that a lot of funding and exposure is based on performance. So, you know, women's sports are expected to hit some of these astronomical numbers before they're seen as, you know, viable business opportunities for brands and networks where men's sports were given, you know, the opportunity to grow and figure out, you know, who they are. I mean, if you look at the history of any major, you know, men's sports league, it's it's a story of trial and error of, you know, seeing what works and seeing what doesn't and almost going bankrupt or almost failing. And women just are never sort of in the sports world, at least given that room to grow and to show what they can do. It's always, you know, prove that you can, you know, do X, Y, and Z, and then we'll give you money. And I think right now we're sort of seeing that change and brands are realizing that, you know, you don't just support women's sports to support women's sports as a charity. Like this is a viable business opportunity. If you look at the consumer base, you look at their spending habits, you look at their brand loyalty, and then you look at how good the product is out there. I mean, it's sort of a no brainer. ESPN seems like every day they're, they're tweeting about record numbers, you know, based on the, the games that they're putting on television and proving that, you know, if you air it, people will watch. Yeah. And, and that's so powerful, especially in a time where loyalty seems to be really at an all-time low as well. How has JWS been able to foster this kind of loyalty and especially foster communities of fans through its unique content? So I think one thing with women's sports that's really awesome is how much the community has been built on social media and how these athletes and teams have really cultivated their identities and personalities by being able to speak directly to fans. And I think as a digital first platform, you know, we have a range of ages of fans, but they do sort of, you know, our, our biggest demographic would be you know, Gen Z and millennial sports fans who are all across social media on all um, on every platform. And, and that's how they're getting their information, how they're getting their news, how they're connecting with each other. So, you know, Haley started the company as an Instagram account. And I think that, you know, was a huge data point for us in showing the the hunger that there is out there for this content. And so we've really leaned into those platforms and and engaging our community and meeting them where exactly where they are and not, you know, trying to build over here in this other world, but you know, speaking the language and being in with our fans, I think has been a huge driver. Yeah, very relevant. Have new forms of content such as podcasting and TikTok played a role in making women's sports more accessible? 
I think so. I think that the more exposure we can give to fans, you know, I like to think like in your phone, just like right at your fingertips. I think about how many times I'm scrolling through my phone, looking for something to listen to or to catch my attention or to fill an hour, being able to have these podcasts that bring, you know, enhances this connection that fans already feel like they have with athletes. They're this like direct communication. If we can use our podcasts to you know, make that feel even more authentic and genuine and, and get them hyped up even more, I think, especially on TikTok is a whole new world and is great. And it's allowed us to, um, we actually, we launched a live show called The Warm Up during the um, National Women's Soccer League Championship game this past November in Louisville. And it was our first live show. It was a, a preview show of the match. Um, and it was great. We were able to stream it live on TikTok Live and leverage that new technology and reach thousands of fans. And it was great because, you know, one thing that's missing in women's sports also is the shoulder content, the, the pregame shows, the postgame shows that really set up the, the, the stage and the reason why you're getting excited and why you want to watch and what's at stake. Um, so that was really cool to do. And especially to be able to stream that on TikTok again and meet our audience where they are was an awesome experience. That's really cool. And I think our listeners would love to follow along and and really see how TikTok and, and some of these mediums are being used. This is all really interesting stuff that's playing out live. So that's super cool. Let's switch a bit towards you working at a startup. So we talked about, again, this illustrious career in media, but really like legacy news, right? Um, so what lessons have you taken from your previous roles in legacy news that you've been able to apply in, in your current role at JWS, which is also a very startup environment? Yeah. So not to get like too abstract on you, I remember when I was in 10th grade, I had this fantastic English teacher. Miss Mastriano, if she's listening. Um, and she was that teacher that you, it's so hard when you're in the class and then when you leave, you realize how much you've learned. And one thing we were taught is free form poetry, but you can't do free form poetry until you have the fundamentals of poetry down, right? You have to learn the rules before you can break them. And I think, you know, that doesn't mean that, you know, you have to work in and old school industry or legacy industry before you can you know, be at a startup, I think it just means that you have to sort of have this structure in your head that you learn from, but then you can take and make into something new that fits you know, where the industry is going, you know, whatever that is. So I think for me personally, it was coming from this legacy media institution where I learned a ton about journalism and media ethics and you know, how certain anchors and reporters and journalists got to where they are and, you know, how to, you know, everything from how to structure a lineup for 12 hours during the day to how do you produce a segment? How do you produce a television show? What happens when there's breaking news, sort of like the functional part and then the business part. And I think for me going to a startup has been almost like taking my brain, moving it all around, taking like the pieces and turning it into something new. And there's been a lot of times where I've had to, I guess, like shake some of the things that I've learned and, and feel like are truths in order to um, be able to push forward and see what the future of sports media, specifically of women's sports media can be. But I'm, I'm so incredibly grateful for 
my upbringing in news. And I really do feel like it was an upbringing since, I mean, my dad will tell the story about how he used to plot me next to him while we would watch the news. I was like three months old or something. And then at the end, the anchors would wave and I would wave back and then I would like turn and bite him in the shoulder. But yeah, I've, I've just been surrounded by it for forever. And I think right now it has been, I think both a strength and a challenge to sort of like unlearn some things that you've learned, but also bring to the table some of the industry knowledge and, and instincts. I think a lot of media's instinct about what stories to chase, where the audience is, um, how they're consuming news and keeping an eye on what your competitor is doing. Yeah, always gotta look over your shoulder. I think this is one of the most brilliant analogies I've heard for think your career, which is you have to learn the rules before you can break them. So when your first your first few years is really about developing that foundation and learning the rules of the business, and then you go and you know create something new. So I think that's brilliant. Earlier in this conversation, you talked about the decision making in the business behind media and how that stood out to you and was one of the drivers for you to even come to business school. How has that been different in you know, your current organization. I want to say startups, but it could even say just women sports. <laughs> um, yeah. So one thing that always really fascinated me about being in cable news specifically, because this doesn't happen as much in network news is how you build a lineup, right? So you've got, you know, I, I can speak from experience at MSNBC, you have point of view programming in the morning and at night, and then breaking news coverage during the day. Um, at least that's where the network has shifted um, in the past few years. And I was really, really fascinated with why certain hours went where and like why certain hosts, if you were in the noon, why did you get switched to the 10? Or if you were in the nine, why did you get switched to the five? Because that doesn't happen randomly, right? There's a reason there is, is it ratings? Is it a person asks like they need to switch hours for, you know, whatever reason, but whatever it was, I was just fascinated by finding out why it was happening. And, and I have a friend, um, we used to sit around, we're such nerds and rework the lineup based on what we thought, just because we were so invested in the personalities and we just thought it was so cool. That's very, very particular, I think, to cable news. But what I think is really cool when you sort of flip it into the startup world, at least for me, is chasing the audience, especially when you look at Gen Z and millennial audiences, you know, the sports fan is entirely changing the way my dad consumes sports is very different from the way that my brother and I consume sports and my mom too. She will watch sports as well. You know, in, in the startup world, you're allowed to experiment a little bit more and figure out like, okay, like let's launch this show and see what happens. Or like, let's try this platform and see what happens. And it's really cool because you glean a lot of information and a lot of data that's going to help inform your next choice. That has definitely been, I think, really fun. I'm endlessly curious and I, you know, to bring it back to Stern, I took a phenomenal consumer behavior course uh, this past fall, and it really, really got me interested in why consumers build habits and how they build habits and how brands can sort of shepherd those habits in ways that are beneficial for the brand. So that's been really, really cool to sort of have a more hands-on opportunity to impact that at a startup. Sounds like the consumer behavioral class is coming highly recommended from you, Rachel. So that's yeah. awesome for all of those students trying to figure out what to take next. I love that. And, you know, just kind of close this section a bit. We talked about sports representation and audiences changing, how media is being consumed. What do you think still needs to change to make progress 
in this space for women's sports? It's a really big question. You know, I think a lot of it is perception change. I think, you know, look right now, um, you know, look at March Madness. Um, you know, this is the first year that the women's tournament can use that moniker. And I will you know, plug our website again. Um, our CEO and founder, Haley Rosen, just wrote an op-ed um, that's up right now about this. You know, and it really is marking this new era for specifically women's college basketball, but sports in general, where people sort of just need to shake this notion that it's a lesser product because it's not. You know, it is incredible to watch what these athletes can do. And we have to stop thinking of it as like, oh, basketball players in the NBA, they dunk, they do this, that, and the other thing. And think of it as almost like two different games. Because when you watch the women's game, it's just completely different tactically. And it is, I have been on my couch. Like, I am not, I mean, I'm a basketball, college basketball fan, but Just Women's Sports has opened me up entirely to the world of both the WNBA and women's college basketball. And I was jumping on my couch last March Madness. Like, and I am so stoked for the games to get underway. And I think it's both brands and media outlets need to drive the hype. You know, at Just Women's Sports, we say hype, not guilt. And, you know, I think that's that's what it's all about because who doesn't want to get excited watching awesome sports? Absolutely. I want to be jumping on a couch also. <laughs> Super cool. Rachel, I want to switch gears a bit and come to you. I want for you to give us some advice. The MBA, what advice do you have for students who are maybe interested in working in sports or non-traditional media, and maybe also for those who want to turn their passions into their career? Yeah, well, I'd say I walked into my MBA, not to sound like a huge nerd, but I think working at the same time and being a part-time student, it was like, I work all the hours during the day. I go to school at night. I study a little bit at night. I study on the weekends. And I really looked at this as an opportunity to learn and not worry about the grades, not worry about sort of like all of the accolades and stuff, which are obviously important to people and, and they should be chased. But I think you have to balance that with knowing that you're going to business school to really change the way that you view the world and that you view working in groups and being a leader and problem solving. And for me, being a person who came out of college chasing grades and chasing titles and, and you know being very internally competitive, I took this as an opportunity to, again, be internally competitive, but not with the end result. It was, okay, go take that harder course, go challenge yourself. Don't just say like, oh, I can't do corporate finance and not take corporate finance. Just embracing the educational experience, I think especially at this age has been awesome and just allowed me to learn and chill out a little bit. I think when it comes to taking your passions and making them your career, it's hard, I think, because you, you know, our passions are our passions because they're our release from stress and from the work that you're doing during the day. And when you combine the two, you don't want to lose the love for the thing that you have, but it's, it's really a balance. And I think what I'm learning right now is that, look, being in a startup is hard. And there are days where you're just like, oh my God, what just happened? And then when you sit back, I can honestly say I have almost been at just women's sports in a full-time capacity. Um, it'll be a year at the end of April. 
And when you're doing something that you are passionate about and that you believe in, and that when you're working with people that you believe in, it makes the frustration at times that you just are going to get as a working person in the world so much easier to deal with and navigate. And sure, sometimes it'll feel overwhelming at times, but you know, it's like a wave. It'll pass because you feel grounded in your values and your purpose. Your drive is incredible. And I can so see sports as a root of that. How about some advice for the MBA schools in general? How do you think the MBA school or program needs to evolve to support some of these non-traditional industries, such as, let's say, sports? Yeah, I mean, I will be totally honest, and I think Stern would appreciate my candor here that, you know, I've taken a lot of sports focused classes and, you know, at the academic level, we need to, you know, level up. We need to be including more conversations about women's sports in every single classroom. You know, if you're going to touch on men's sports and we need to talk about sports holistically and, you know, because women's sports are going to impact consumer behavior. They're going to impact sports economics. They're going to impact sports marketing. And we're doing a disservice to our students by not exposing them to this rocket ship of a business that is, you know, on fire right now. So I think, you know, at the academic level, it's all about, you know, keeping your eyes open and, you know, listening to students as well and and following the trends that, you know, students are following and understanding the platforms that they're on in really genuine ways, not just like, let's hop on TikTok for the sake of hopping on TikTok, you know, you know, do it in a way that actually feels organic. But yeah, I'll say 100%, you know, I've been in a lot of entertainment, media, and technology classes that also talk about streaming. And when you talk about streaming, of course, you're going to talk about sports rights and deals and decision making where we're talking about, you know, negotiations and women's sports needs to be front and center and way more part of those conversations. Absolutely. And how about some advice for people who are getting into women's sports? What advice do you have for them? I'd say with anything, you need to look for roles and jobs that are going to, this is actually advice that I got from a friend and mentor who got from her father, um, that, you know, you're looking for roles that are going to lead you to the next role that are going to lead you to the next role. So not every job is going to be perfect. It's it's not going to check every single box, but you need to internally know what are the things that I need to learn and can I get it out of this job? And, you know, that has been really impactful for me because I think especially at a startup, sort of your responsibilities are going to change. You're going to move around. You're going to realize maybe the thing that you liked isn't the thing that is you're best suited for. So maybe you try something else, but at the same time, you are building a company. So certain things need to get done. So I think that is what I've always sort of used as a guiding light. You know, when I'm looking at a job thinking, what will I get out of this? Where do I want to go? Maybe not tomorrow, maybe not a year from now, but you know, just sort of like looking into the future, even if it's foggy, even if it's a little gauzy, and does this role, you know, help set me up to hop onto that next stone, which is going to hop onto the next stone. And I think in media especially, there are so many opportunities to get in, you know, especially at smaller companies and get your hands really, you know, in the weeds on if you want to be in production, you know, learning how to be how to do all of the things that production does. If you want to do marketing, learning, learning all about marketing. Um, it doesn't always have to be, you know, at the major companies because those major companies want people to be able to come in and do the job. Yeah, solid advice. And Rachel, 
one statement that really stood out in this conversation for me, which is you keep asking yourself, how can I get better? How can I do better? And I think that growth mindset really comes from really your career in sports and that childhood. But not all of us have that background <laughs> and that drive that's so natural and inherent in you. What would you say for those who, who are maybe looking to really build some of that muscle and really talking to themselves about being better and challenging themselves? I think a lot of it is incremental, right? You look at you know your calendar, you look at the month, and you sort of say like, okay, who is the who is it that I'm trying to be? Who what are what do I value and what do I? Because you're you, and you've got to take you to all the different stops along the way. And I think it's all about life is really big, and if you can break it down to like this week. I'm going to get up every morning at 7 a.m. I'm going to listen to this podcast that I really enjoy. And I'm going to sort of just like, you know, internalize it, think, have a moment to myself and, you know, use it to, you know, power this day or this week. You know, maybe you are a musician and you're really trying to get to a higher level as a musician. Okay, what can I do on a smaller scale? How can I dedicate myself this week to achieving this small goal? And then I can do it again the next week. And then I can do it again the next week. And then, you know, what is that book? Um, I think it's The Power of Habit, which I need to finish. But it, you know, it takes 30 days to establish a new habit. If you think about it as, okay, I have to do this thing for 30 days. No, no, no. Just think about it for five days. And then you get to the weekend and it's fun. You think about it for two days. And then you have another five days. And before you know it, you have a month. So I think sort of in whatever you're trying to achieve, if you can break it down into those smaller goals, to make things feel less big and less weighty, then you know before you know it, you're well on your way. Thank you for breaking that down for us, Rachel. That's golden, and I definitely need to try that. And just to end this incredible conversation on something more fun, what are your favorite teams or athletes to watch? Oh man, well I feel like I can't totally, you know, lean one way or the other, I will say, um, you know, I grew up loving the U.S. Women's National Team. And I think that team has meant a lot to me, both on a personal and a athletic level, um, you know, just, just watching all of those women. And it's kind of wild when you think, oh, you know, they always seemed older and they always seemed like they had everything together. And then I realized I've, I'm the same age as some of them who are still playing. And we literally grew up together. And I think I have a much larger appreciation for that now. I feel obligated. Uh, we have a lot of Stanford alum at Jessamine Sports, so go card. But I also am from Philadelphia and, you know, grew up watching Don Staley, so go Gamecocks. Yeah, so I'll just, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds awesome. Sounds like some competitive spirit there. <laughs> Rachel, thank you so much. This has been such an incredible conversation. We covered everything from your incredible sports career, media, the industry, and such an exciting time and how things are changing. And thank you for just ending with that incredible advice for all of us who are really trying to structure our careers and build some of those great habits and make some incredible things happen. So I think this is an incredible conversation. Thank you for your time. Thank you. No, this was great. I really appreciate it. This is fun.